It is the 200 level episode 150. As of yet untitled, Mike Carpenter here with Trevor Belize and Isaac Ambrose. We, of course, will talk a little bit of Brett Bielema. That is the big news yesterday. So big, in fact, that I kind of forgot there was a top 20 basketball game today. And through one half, Illinois, Rutgers, both looking like very good Big Ten teams, Big Ten title contenders. Not a perfect half for either team, but uh, about as good as you could expect for the second Big Ten game of the year on the road. Fans are not at the rack. This is an impressive showing for Illinois. And hopefully by the time you're listening to this, we will have gotten, I would argue, the biggest one of the season so far and one that can really help Illinois in terms of the Big Ten title race. Now, uh, we are about to get underway here. Trevor, I'll give you the cue right when they toss it inbounds because Isaac and I are going with the old Hulu slap. Okay, now we're underway. We are underway. So, 41-37, to four-point lead for Illinois. And we had that Mulcahy, who is kind of becoming a folk hero, Trevor. Mulcahy for Rutgers. Uh, He's annoying. He is annoying, but you know he's he's got his own thing, and I don't think he takes himself too seriously. So I, I don't hate him as much as I would if he was on, let's say, Wisconsin. Okay, he taking it to the rim here. He is up, and it is a travel. So good defense by Io to help out there. So real quick, guys, your ha- uh, thoughts on the first half, Isaac? We'll start with you because you were given a really good spiel, and then I informed you we weren't recording yet. So what did you think, Isaac, of that first half with Illinois taking a four point lead? All right, guys, it's act surprise, but okay. I loved the start because you had came out sloppy, especially against Mizzou and then Minnesota as well. You didn't start off so hot and you were playing really well. And I felt like Rutgers runs, they were making some shots, but you were also making a few mistakes to give them wide open, wide open three pointers and things. So if you, if you can kind of close those up, then you're looking pretty good. I swear if Jacob Young is the reason that Rutgers comes back in this game. Anyways. Two-pointer for him. So it's a two-point game with 19 to go, 41-39. Everyone's play. Honestly, I like that Io was one of your least productive players and you still went in with a four-point lead. Um, Adam Miller has just been terrible yeah, recently. Yeah, that was but. a weird take by him. So he turns the ball over. Rutgers on the run here, a chance to tie it up. And they will get the foul and go to the line. This is, I think, Mathis. So you're seeing... That sloppiness you kind of mentioned, Isaac. It, it's yeah. It's unfortunately a problem early in the second half. And the last thing I'll say is just you had a couple chances there in the first half. I mean, obviously we want to be up like 15. You had a couple chances in the first half to push it to 12 or 15 points, and then Rutgers would go on like a five or six point swing. So I feel like you could have done a lot more damage in the first half. So that's the only thing I'm a little bit salty about. But you still came out and played really well at the rack in the first half, so hopefully we can just close it out. A missed free throw here from Mathis, so Rutgers is really struggling from the line. I think they're two for eight. And Trevor, as the second half unfolds, I'm doing this thing, and I don't know if you do this the same way when you view Illinois games. You know, they're playing well enough to win this game, and I know they would feel amazing if they did, but I'm sort of saving any emotional (laughs) eruption for like the under four timeout if Illinois can in fact win this game. I'm not trying to get too involved yet because I don't want to get to pissed off level when I probably shouldn't. Yeah. Yeah. No, I I don't I don't I haven't really seen anything personally to get me pissed off. I think once again one of those things that we've been talking about throughout the season. Kofi so far slam on the putback. Seems, wow. 43-40 Illinois. Yeah, that was ferocious. It almost seems like Illinois and this sounds like a very uh meatball fanny egotistical take but it almost feels like illinois biggest enemy is themselves sometimes to yeah. where once again it just seems like the turnovers that they are forcing on themselves you know that become the biggest issue like rutgers is playing well credit to them 
But again, I don't really feel like Rutgers is imposing their will in any way on Illinois. It's just when Illinois goes on one of those runs where they go cold and then Rutgers hits two straight shots from deep, then suddenly a 10-point game is, is a four-point game, and that's just sort of like the nature of what's happening right now. It's not. I haven't seen anything to get me too frustrated. Ooh, and Monte we got a scrum here. <laughs> DeMonte mistakes Mulcahy for McCaffrey which is understandable. And we have, I think, a foul on Illinois. So that was a scrum underneath the basket. Rutgers could not quite get it to go in. Illinois can't corral the rebound. So I'm guessing this will be Rutgers taking it out from under, underneath, or was that a shooting foul that we're going to get? I, I think guess they'll we'll just him. take it out from underneath. I yeah. don't know how he didn't grab that board. And also, if I'm Mohey or whatever, DeMonte is probably the last guy I'm getting in the – like, get in Trent's face. He's, like, shorter than you. Okay, so Rutgers takes that from underneath. Yeah, he is. I mean, he gets up in people's faces. He's got, like, a stare-down, mean mean grimace that uh, is ugly. Omaruyi is walking off with quite the limp, and that doesn't look like something he'd come back this second half for. So, three-point Illinois lead. Here's a take from Young. It is up. It is good. He is just... You know, I did look, Isaac, to make sure that this is not an abnormality for him. He had a 24-point game earlier, and he's averaging over double digits. So he's good. He's just not Ron Harper. Here's a backdoor cut. Oh, my Georgie gosh. to Io. He misses the layup. Io is not quite himself today, and there is Kofi with a foul on Mulcahy. So we have a one-point Illinois lead, 17-20 to go. That is the third foul on Illinois already, a sloppy start to the second half. And Rutgers Can I uh, just point out? How strange it is that Rutgers, I know I tweeted this, but Rutgers had Eugene Omorui two years ago, who was like a five-star freshman. He transferred to Oregon. Two years later, they get a five-star freshman whose last name is Omorui, and they have no relation. Yeah, that is more than coincidental, it feels like. Here's a long three I mean, and bad like miss Illinois by Rutgers. A, it'd be like Illinois getting a Coburn in a year that has no <laughs> relation to Kofi. Uh, Georgie down low. He's bringing it back out to the perimeter. Looks like we'll start this half-court set again. Oh, Georgie's taking it himself. We'll see how this ends. Nice little move. And under the, what a layup by uh, Georgie, excuse me. So it's a 45 42 lead for Illinois. 16.50 to go. I think if you guys uh, can get to the under 16 timeout with a four plus point lead, essentially not giving up any ground for as messy as some of these minutes have been, I think I'd take that, Isaac. Here's Mulcahy on the take. And we yeah. got a travel, it looks like. <laughs> okay. Mulcahy just yelled an explicit clear as day but if you can keep it at that separation you were at half then yeah you're essentially winning the first quarter of the second half if oh, that yes. makes any sense. oh and, of course it does i know levy smith isms and that that actually applies <laughs> to this and i mean our defense has been pretty sound today i mean speaking of and i hate to beat him while he's down but um that just was a necessity joke to make i always just Iowa oh, with ooh. the take. Oh, what happens here? He gets it off the back. No, Kofi with the putback on an Io miss. So Kofi with two slams already in the first four minutes in the second half. A five-point lead for Illinois. 16-14 to go. Besides that Mizzou, I mean, Io is still Io. He's just had some sloppy offensive games besides the Mizzou game. But even then, he made a lot of mistakes. I don't know if he's just not feeling as smooth or he's in his head. Maybe he's just in... A little slump. And again, if I look at his numbers, Io's numbers are insane. But you know the eye test that something seems off with his layups and stuff. I don't know if you guys feel the same or what. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And there's a foul here. Adam Miller uh, foul on his take. So it's a three-point Illinois lead as we go to this first timeout. Trevor, go ahead with we're talking about Io and kind of his the, – the efficiency isn't quite there, at least in terms of the eye test. Yeah, it's hard to fault him too much because he shoots like 70% on that mid-range pull-up to Isaac's point. Um, but it does feel like sometimes, and now I'm sort of uh, 
debating my own point here because he just missed two two easy layups. But it does feel like sometimes he could not pull up on that elbow jumper and take it to the rim and either get fouled or make the layup because he's strong enough to do so. So in the first half, my my sort of super nitpicky IO complaint was just I think he missed three like 15 foot elbow jumpers, and I thought I know he shoots great on that, but man, I, I'd love for him to just take it to the rim. And then now in the second half, he's taking it to the rim twice and missed. So. Just ignore everything I'm saying. No, no, you're good. As we got a time out here, I will remind everybody that the 200 level is brought to you by DP Doe online at dpdoe.com for all the best deals and prices, and they deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Use coupon code Mike for $5 calzone, $6 premium and construction zones. That's at dpdoe.com. Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com. You might want to hurry if you want anything in time for Christmas, but even if you don't get it in time uh, for the 25th, we got a long Big Ten basketball season ahead. So go to fourthandkirby.com, coupon code 200 level for 10% off your order at fourthandkirby.com. And finally, State Farm agent Brian Hansen online at brianismyguy.com. No coupon code needed. You get the State Farm prices and great personalized service. And uh, me and Kara can attest to that when we moved into our new house and worked with Brian on homeowners and auto. That's brianismyguy.com. Alana Inquirer, Champagne Showers, Podcast Network. That's all the particulars. As we go through this game, we'll use the timeout breaks, I think, to talk about Brett Bielema. And let's just start here during this timeout break. Trevor, your initial thoughts, and then also as a follow-up to that, when did you, or did you, I should ask, come around to the idea of Bielema as your coach before the announcement came yesterday? I'm going to answer your second question first. Uh, Lon and I were on the show earlier this week when Derek was going to the uh, Minnesota game, and we were talking about candidates. And it sounds very trivial because, yeah, anyone can read a Wikipedia page, and I'm not trying to sound as, as flippant as... I read one Wikipedia page and then I was convinced. But in my mind, Brett Bielema was sort of this goofy guy where if you Google image him, the first thing that comes up is him naked in a hot tub, shirtless, you know, drinking a beer. And he went to Arkansas and, you know, he didn't do well at Arkansas. And so just the initial uh, thought when you hear the name is, "Eh, okay, I mean, he's a a good coach. He's kind of an acquired taste. But then I'm starting to read his actual page and I'm like, you know, he didn't really do as badly as I thought he did. I, I thought he just flamed out at Arkansas. He went three wins, seven wins, eight wins, seven wins, and then back down to four wins. Obviously, a four and eight campaign in the SEC after going seven, eight, seven, not ideal. But in my mind, he just absolutely, you know, flailed and failed at Arkansas, and he'd been out of coaching for the last two years. And then, I, you know, as I'm reading, I come to find out, well, I mean, 787, Illinois football would certainly take that. And then he just spent the last two years with Bill Belichick. So that that changed my mind a little bit, at least to the point where I thought, okay, he's not as much of a, I mean, joke is a strong word, but he's not as much of a a character as I thought he was perhaps beforehand. Um, So I, I am perfectly fine with it. I think a lot of people need to just do the reality check that this is Illinois. And, you know, Kirk Herbstreit mentioned it on college game day when they were talking to him. He said, I've basically ignored Illinois for like the last 30 years. And as much as we push back, well, you know, 2007 or 2001, in the national sense, that is true. And so I feel like Brett Bielema is a fine option. I feel like he is a great coach. And I am, I just, I think we need to be okay with the fact that this was not going to be like five-star, A-plus-plus hire and just be fine with this being an A-minus hire. Yeah, the A-minus or the solid B. Isaac, I'm going to get your take at the next time out uh, as we start this, uh, the second quarter 
of the second half. Trent Frazier, pump fake, no three. Now Adam Miller loses it. And I, guys, I, I know that Adam Miller's a freshman, but you mentioned this in the text thread, Trevor, and I think Isaac, you, you, you're seeing the same thing. Apart from that multi-team event, and Isaac, I'll go to you for this first, you're seeing this inconsistency with Adam Miller that, yes, he is a freshman, but he, when he's not in it, he's kind of out of sorts. And when he is making threes, it tends to be in the parts of the game where it doesn't matter all that much as he just gives up a layup on terrible defense right there. Yeah, he looks like it's just been a rude awakening so far in the Big Ten. And against Duke, he had nine points. But like Trevor said in the text thread, it was three threes like back to back to back almost. And then he pretty much disappeared. As he about falls over himself. (laughs) Yeah, he hasn't had any wow moments really in any big game this year. And he's just been disappeared. So it it feels almost a little bit like, I mean, him and Io were similar rankings and if you remember Iowa's freshman year, like halfway through the season, we were like, oh, dear God, like we should have got Taylor Horton Tucker. Like, oh, my gosh. A long three for Rutgers is good. I could tell from Isaac's reaction. You're probably just a second ahead of me, Isaac. So we got a 49-47 Rutgers lead. And what you're seeing. You were up, wasn't it 37-27? Yes, it was 37-27. So, you, so this is. It's a 22 to. 10 run. Yeah, yeah. Now, do do you punch back? We have Illinois with the ball, 14-20 to go. Adam Miller with the ball up top. He's looking for someone, anybody. We got Trent now up top. Surprised that Corbello has not seen the court yet in the second half. I, I think he's a far better option than Miller right now. Trent taking it. Nope. This is a great deflection by Rutgers. This is going to be an easy break for them. Uh, oh, oh, wow. He misses the Whoa. dunk. <laughs> now, is that not a backcourt violation because it was off the rim? That's how far back the yeah, thing that, went. Yeah, that was a that was a shot technically. Okay, so the miss dunk, Rutgers with the ball. I think you don't want to go down six or seven, something like that. These are some important possessions coming up, even though there's plenty of time left. So Rutgers with the ball, ten on the shot clock, up at the top of the key, trying to drive it in. Kofi with his hands oh up. Oh my gosh! And we have a miss, and Georgie just kind of lackadaisical as he tries to throw it to Adam Miller. I hope that, what do we see? Curbelo and DeMonte coming back in? And what are we I've looking at? I have seen a ricochet that far. I don't know what they're going to look at here. The refs are stopping play with 13-24 to go. But that was just lazy stuff from Georgie. So you see the good and you see the bad from Georgie today. And the bad today, Trevor, isn't so much like the incompetence that we saw last year offensively for about two months. It's, it's decision-making, and that was... That was costly because he had an opportunity to tie the game right back up. Yeah. I, I mean, Georgie made some good moves in the first half. He's going to do that, which is frustrating that you're basically – I think my, my biggest frustration with a guy like Georgie is just that the problem that was there freshman year persists through sophomore and junior year to where it's like, well, <laughs> that's Georgie. It's like, yeah, but it doesn't have to be. Like, why did he have to throw a pass like that? It's an easy mistake to fix, so it's kind of frustrating that he's yet to fix it. Juan with the tweet that I kind of agree with, because if there's a frustration I have with this team, it would be this. Juan says, Illinois either has the worst hands in college basketball, and certainly Kofi is in the running for that award, or they get fouled constantly with no calls. Isaac, you had mentioned that in the text thread, that at the last play of the first half, it probably was a foul, but we just aren't getting those. But I think to Juan's point, too, it's, it seems like with Illinois basketball, it's always something. So for about a three, four-year stretch in the gross era, I was asking, where are the dunks? They never dunked. No one could dunk. I think John Eakey missed about 25 dunks in a single year. <laughs> and then this year, 
I'm seeing an Illinois team that they're pretty good at everything else except just holding on to the damn ball. And I know the game is at a fast pace and they're playing somewhat frenetically, but like just clean it up. I think, you know, you guys have mentioned it before. Illinois is getting in their own way seemingly more than it is the other team imposing their will. And that's a little bit frustrating. The past few years, Carp, I feel like the no dunks thing kind of turned into we could not stop having like five or six minute runs of games where we just wouldn't score. We couldn't make anything. And now this year, we just can't go like we can't stop ourselves from having little turnover problems. And that was a great pass. Wow. Wow. Corbello feeds Georgie. And that's just typical Corbello stuff to tie the game up. 49 all with 1250 to go. How did he even see him? I don't know. I don't know. Pretty, pretty awesome. So we have Rutgers with the ball tie game. 20 left in the shot clock here for Rutgers. What would be a huge win? You already know what happened by the time you're listening to this. I wonder what that's like because these are certainly more fun to listen to when you win. We got a touchy foul, touchy-feely foul call on Io. That's already four in Illinois for the half. Okay, so what were they reviewing? Was there any clarity of what they were looking at? Just gonna ask you guys that. Yeah. I don't I know. I didn't what that notice was about. either. I don't have Dokic and Benetti on the call. I will say I don't mind Dokic. I think he's pretty good at what he does. And Benetti is one of the best. I think them together are are solid too. Yeah. I, Dokic, as in like a basketball mind, I don't I don't even dislike. I like him. I'm not it's sure what Georgie can't. is supposed to do there. He gets called on a foul. Yeah. Yeah. No, but you're right, Trevor. I think that when it comes to basketball, it's when he ventures outside of it that he. I think that the. I'm a. I'm going to talk. Uh, I'm going to be a straight talker, meat and potatoes kind of guy. That that wears thin when he's not doing the color commentary. Right. But he's great right. on basketball games. It's just like the, the I, and I said this before, but the extracurricular stuff where, like, a free throw will go up and he'll go, nope, and then it goes in, and it's like that's <laughs> not. I don't need that, you know. Yeah, like he's just so sure of himself that it's annoying. It's somewhat related to, and I like Martin O'Donnell a lot, but how he just utters things during a broadcast and you're like, okay, thanks. A missed free throw for Rutgers and we got a scrum for the ball again. Io gets it and he gets it to Georgie. So Illinois clears it out here. So they're trying to By the way, that is a storyline I think to to look at here down the stretch is Rutgers shoots like 48% from the free throw line. And I think they've missed a significant amount of free throws today. So, oh my gosh, another feed from Curbelo to Georgie and a nice, easy put in for Georgie. He's got a nice touch around the rim this year. You guys were talking about Disney movies in the thread yesterday or two days ago. Mm-hmm. And it's almost like Curbelo's got like the uh, Elastic Girl or like the Fantastic Four guy. He just reaches around people's backs somehow. He has a sense. Oh, oh okay. So, Nai missed, missed. And we got a foul on who? Curbelo? I like when the refs just point directly at the guy's face. It's like, don't be an ass about it. Just say blue five. <laughs> I've thought that before, too. Like, what an ass. They literally go out of their way to sort of like theatrically go, it's him. It's him. Like, wouldn't your inclination if your Corbello be to slap the guy's finger out of your face? Like, get the hell. And then he gets kicked out of the game because the ref was being an ass about it, pointing his finger in his damn face. That pissed me off. All right. Well, anyways, uh, real quick before we, t- uh, Isaac, ask you about Brett Bielema. A reminder, the tuner level is brought to you by DP Doe. Order online. They deliver anywhere in Champaign-Urbana. Coupon code Mike for $5 calzones at dpdoe.com. So, Isaac, were you starting to come around on the Bielema thing earlier this week? And when you found out the news, what was your reaction to it? Yeah, when we were at the radio station earlier last week talking about it, and I I had already known Bielema was an option, but he definitely became more likable 
as I started to, like Trevor said, read like his Wikipedia and things like that and find out that he went 787 in the toughest division in all of college football. And a guy that's proven at the places that you're striving for. So Wisconsin and Iowa, there's no reason why if a solid coach comes in here and with the talent we have in state, there's no reason why Illinois can't be a Wisconsin or an Iowa. We're never going to be an Ohio State. We're never going to be a Michigan. But there's absolutely no reason why we can't recruit in state really well, get tough guys, get a good system like Iowa has, like Wisconsin has. And I mean, even what Fitzgerald's done at Northwestern, there's absolutely no reason that the University of Illinois cannot do that. And I think Bielma has a good shot to get us back to where that is. And this keeps ringing in my head. I think Jeremy might have said this, but Bielma has the highest floor. And I know that's kind of confusing to say, but with all the candidates, I thought Leipold would have been a really great hire too, but also he has no really head coaching experience, you know, at a bigger school. So Bielma, I feel like at worst, you're going to go five and seven and compete. That's how I feel. So if things all go to hell in a few years, I feel like you're going to be able to look back and say, you know, it wasn't what we liked, but his floor is still going to be probably five and seven, hopefully six and six, which we would be really, really happy with. And it's just being competitive. And I don't think that's hard. It's, it's impossible. I think to get as sloppy and as Mac level talent as lovey would put out there. Um, So I'm all for it. A guy that's, proven at the Big Ten level and essentially the opposite of Lovey Smith. Yeah, I, yesterday just reminded us how bad the Lovey Smith era was. And I know the game didn't count. And Trevor, you were smart to not watch any of it. I, I watched you the first half, but 42 unanswered for the second time in what, three years or four years against Penn State that you've given up 42 unanswered points. And that's fine back in 2017 when it's year two and you're building this thing. But that yesterday, as as much of a footnote as that's going to be in history, that was the perfect end to this era. And it's amazing how yesterday Brett Bielema calls the Illinois High School Football Coaches I Association. I was just going to mention this. Yeah, he calls that, and everyone's like, "Oh my god, that's amazing!" And I'm like, "Yeah, the, the, it's it's even more amazing because we assumed, without always saying it, that Lovey wasn't doing the bare minimum the last five years." So it just somehow made it like, I can't believe that he'd, oh I'm, my God, a foul on I'm Curbelo. I'm sick of this stupid Mohei guy. Get up the off the ground. So we already got Rutgers in the bonus. Seven fouls on Illinois, two on Rutgers because this guy's a flailing idiot. That's such bandana. a flop. Oh my. <laughs> Go to ballet gonna, class or something. Jeez. <laughs> I was going to ask if you guys liked the passive aggressive tweets, no, notably from the Illinois football account talking about He's calling every high school coach. He's doing it. And it's like, well, this is a pretty easy bar to clear. But at the same time, it's kind of sad that we're all celebrating that. Yeah, it's it's the bare minimum. It's not, it's a phone call. Lovey wouldn't even do that for five years. So I, I'm not to pile on, but Lovey stinks. Can we just let's I've said this before and I don't want to belabor the point, even though I know I am. But what we do often is sort of bend over backwards to try to, you know, what be the classy fan base. You don't need to do that, Illinois fans. You you don't need to acknowledge Lovey as anything more than what he was, which was the worst coach in modern Illinois football history. That's just it. I mean, wins and losses, recruiting, the fact that he is leaving this roster. And I'm glad that Jeremy brought it up yesterday in his podcast. 
because Isaac Trotter had mentioned that you're roster-wise in a lot better spot than you were in 2016. And Jeremy said, you know, I thought that going into this year, but until I see it on the field, I don't think we can say that anymore. And I've been arguing right. that all damn year, that until I see these guys be the talented team that so many were, were clamoring for and hoping for, myself included, are we really in better shape than we were, Trevor, when Lovey came in? Because if I recall, that team was coming off a 6-1 and a 5-1 season, and they had some decent talent, including a Keyshawn Vaughn as your starting running back before you ran him out of town. I think the argument there is simply that, like, you know, Virtus Brown is a four-star, Isaiah Williams is a five-star, whereas the guys that the previous regime had developed were more of the, the Juco route, the Mac route. Mm-hmm. So maybe you got higher touted people. But to your point, Carp, and I think this is a big thing just to learn about sports, and I don't mean to sound like I'm lecturing, but this is how sports works with, like, farm systems, right? Like, let's just say the Angels have the best farm system in baseball. Well, that's great. But if they all hit 200 and they never develop, you can't keep saying that it's the best farm system. Yeah, right. You know, it, it's one of those things where, like, you can get a bunch of four stars, but if they never play, and when they do play, they're not good, and by the time they're seniors, they're still not good, they're not four stars anymore. Yeah. And I think that's pretty much it, where we talk about what, okay, development, how strong was that under Lovey Smith? Recruiting, we know, wasn't great. And you just go down the list of things that he did well, and it's a short list. And I keep also hearing this thing, uh, by the way, Illinois 53-52. I know we were going to do this during timeouts, but we got a long ways to go here in the second half. I'll, I'll call this play and then get to my point about character and integrity because that seems to be getting thrown around a lot with Brett Bielema and a foul on the floor by Rutgers. So here's something that kind of, it started to infuriate me yesterday as I realized even I was going down the rabbit hole of, yeah, I get that Brett Bielema's character isn't yada, 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 yada. And then I realized, wait a second, I've been hearing this for the last three or four days and I don't even know concrete example-wise what I'm talking about. Now, someone sent me a story about Brett Bielema when he was recruiting in Arkansas. He told another coach that a kid had committed, and then the kid said, no, I didn't commit, and whatever. Okay, so it may be a little bit shady. But I will be honest, this whole character integrity thing, because that keeps getting thrown around with Lovey Smith, he didn't treat the media very well. He didn't interact with the community. I'm sure he was fine enough with his players, but I keep getting told that he's the greatest man who ever walked the face of the earth. And I'm saying, no, he's fine, but we don't need to continue to build up this mythos of, well, he sucked as a coach, but he was the best man that ever coached at Illinois. I don't buy that either. Sorry, was that not a kickball? Uh, that's a good question. There was a dunk by Rutgers on a fast break. So they take a 54-53 lead, and we are halfway oh my through gosh. the second half. Here's Io with the it shot. Looks like uh, looked like it went, went off his shin, Isaac, but I didn't think at first that it was a kickball. Rutgers oh. on the take to the rim and is up. It is good. Oh, no, they call on the floor, so they will go to the line shooting two. And, you know, I, I'm a little bit concerned as we get back to basketball. I know it's not easy transitions here, Trevor, but... I'm getting a little bit concerned at the sloppiness was already kind of there for Illinois, but what they did have the entire first half was an energy to their game where, you know, they they were punching back when Rutgers did this sort of thing. And right now I'm seeing Rutgers in the second half has controlled it really from the outset. It it felt to me like Illinois had the upper hand, no matter what the lead was at. If it it was at seven, if it was at three, if it was tied, it sort of felt like uh, Illinois had the high ground, if you will. And now it feels like that has sort of flipped. I kind of sense like a, a technical or a fist fight or something coming. These two teams are are jawing. Underwood's jawing. I, I know Robert Rosenthal is there, and he said that Underwood was going at one of the officials so much in the in the in the media timeout that they basically had to tell him to back off, or they were going to tee him up. And wow. 
Mulcahy's, Mulcahy's talking. So, of course, I don't know. I kind of feel like we're getting scrappy here. You know, I'm afraid this is going to go the way of the Iowa game last year, but the problem is that was it, you felt better after that game at Iowa, even though you lost because it was high level throughout and Iowa just made more buckets at the end of it. This is starting to feel like, okay, well, nice entry, nice backdoor from Adam Miller to Iowa. Wow, all these backdoor cuts for Illinois brings it back within one, 56-55. But, yeah, the, the messiness factor, I don't recall oh that. Being, wow, an easy take here, but a foul on Iowa. I didn't see much contact. So Illinois with nine fouls, and this is frustrating too, Isaac, because the first half was called pretty light, and I like how quickly it went by, and I don't think either team got in the double bonus. Rutgers will be in the double bonus with half of the second half to go. It's this nasty. That's how all the other, the old Brad Underwood games used to go before he changed up the defense. And now, of course, just our luck, not to sound like a little whiny kid, but <laughs> Rutgers is probably going to go like 80, 90% from the free throw line now that they have the double bonus and there's 10 minutes left. But I just don't see how it can be so lopsided too. Like, both teams are playing hard, and you're really going to tell me that Rutgers has three fouls and we're about to have ten. Whoa, whoa, whoa! We just what's got this. What's what's this? So we have a uh, Mulcahy okay, is talking to the ref. They call the foul during that Looks second like free throw. What we got a double foul? Demonte. No, I think oh they just gosh. called a, a technical on Demonte for like elbowing him. They're they need to review that, that because a- I don't think did he elbow him. I don't know. It kind of looks like he did. <laughs> okay. Uh, that was a bad angle right there because I see the head go back. I didn't see the elbow, but we'll get an official review here. Of course, Mulcahy's involved. And uh, oh, um, I, yeah. He didn't bother me at the start of this podcast, but this little dingbat is really pissing me off right now with his... Oh, God. I, I, hate, this, I hate this scrappy white kid archetype that you see throughout college basketball basketball and then of course the announcers love them because they're tough and gritty and i'm like no they're they're just kind of like they, what they lack in skill they make up for in these sort of you know schoolyard shenanigans by flopping flailing all over themselves and we somehow equate that with oh they work hard kiss my ass all right so here we go do we have a call yet i need to check twitter and see if anyone's ahead of me on this no. so I, i'm looking at this replay and i i don't know how did how would DeMonte have gotten the elbow up that far? Is that not like when you're taught to box out, like get low, use your arms and like lift up your elbow. Like it just seems like Mohey, like however the hell you say it, it's like he was going in to get elbowed. He was never even going for the rebound. All right. Well, so now we have, whatever. you know, and this is frustrating. I see this on Twitter and I agree with a lot of what people are saying that, you know, the Bob Zupke account says college basketball is borderline unwatchable. It is getting to that point. You know, and it's so frustrating because it just disrupts the flow of a game that was flowing so nicely. And it's not as if it's not as if the intensity ratcheted up here in the second half. It's not like the game got nastier. They just are calling it a completely different way. And they're calling it in one direction, which is a bunch of crap. And I hate to be whiny sports he is fan here. Technical free throws. They are? Yeah. Wow. Well, of course, Mulcahy, gritty, gritty white kid with his bandana, or not bandana, sorry, whatever it is, headband. DeMonte looks like he's, <laughs> he looks like the adult when, like, the kid is doing something stupid, and he's just like, okay, like, I'm just over this. He just looks like, 
that was so ridiculous and I want nothing to do with that. You know, I would have been fine losing this game if it's just, you know, high-level basketball back and forth and then Rutgers makes a few more shots. But now we're getting that territory where even though they have been the aggressor this half, this turns the narrative away from the game and into the extracurriculars. And I hate that. Because then we just get a stew on it until a game at Penn State on Wednesday, which that concerns me, you know, even though this team's MO seems to be, guys, I mean, if they lose this game, they essentially win one, lose one, win one, lose one. And eventually, I want to win, I don't know, four or five in a row if you're going to win a damn Big Ten title. So I mean, that'll happen. I mean, you sent us their schedule. If they go one and one against all those teams, we got a problem. Rutgers of the take here, and that is a layup. It is no good. Rebound over to Rutgers, and that's just poor... Job by Illinois. So they're down by seven. Why don't you call a tech uh, on him for hanging on the rim, huh? 62-55 with 9-11 to go. And this is turning into a very frustrating game. Illinois was up by one before a 10-2 run by Rutgers. Iowa with the ball up top. They need a shot right now with nine minutes to go in this game to stem the tide and somehow mount their own comeback. Here's Adam Miller up top. We got eight on the shot clock. Trying to find Georgie on the block. Georgie. Going to take it himself here, baseline, and he gets fouled. As the if this were at home, there'd be a bunch of Bronx cheers in the crowd for finally getting a foul on Rutgers. This is a real uh, first world problem, but I'm yeah. finding out that it's not necessarily the most fun to be the team with the target on your back <laughs> compared to the team that's yeah. sort of just like this is. I mean, for Rutgers, this is like you know we've reached the mountaintop. This is our coming out party. We're going to beat a top 15 team and be six and zero. Whereas for Illinois, like the pressure is on them, Missed not free the throw. momentum. If that of makes course. sense. Georgia can't make the free throw. Four? How many free throws have we shot? We've shot five now, I think. So we're two and three shot for five. Twenty-two. Well, let's check here. I want to be accurate about that. Um, We've shot seven. So he does make the second one here. Free we throws eight. eight, five for eight, and Rutgers is fourteen of twenty-two. They are leading by seven, and they have nine more made free throws than you do, and fourteen more attempts. You're basically shooting the same percentage from the free free throw line. Everything else is fairly even here. 27 rebounds for Rutgers, 25 for Illinois, but I'm pretty sure Illinois was leading that in the first half, so that's disappointing. 11 offensive boards for Rutgers. That may prove to be even bigger than all these foul calls because they are winning the loose ball battle. Trevor, and I know that's a cliche thing, like, well, whoever wins the loose balls wins the game, but in a tight matchup like today, it matters. Yeah. It's it's going to be a weird. And now I'm getting pretty upset that they're going to lose. Yeah, it's going to be sort of this weird, um, Ugh, kind of like a weird barf. empty feeling where Missouri is six and zero as much as that was a barf, and you lost by one possession because of a bad call. Baylor might be the best team in the world, and like I'm not Rutgers isn't bad, so it's like you're five and three, which looks awful for a top thirteen team, but at the same time, it's like I don't really know if any of those losses are unforgivable in any way. So I don't really like you. I, I, you, I, I feel like I should feel bad for being five and three, but at the same time, you can easily explain away each of those losses. You know what I mean? Yeah, you can. And I think that if you had beaten M- Missouri, I don't have nearly as much animosity towards this game right now. I would think, well, this kind of sucks. Sure. It would have been a bonus, but losing that Missouri game, all of a sudden a loss like today would make me think that this is the pattern. Right, So you talk about explaining away losses, sloppy play. It is early in the season, but I don't want to be mid-January still saying the same things that we are now. And my concern is if we keep doing this one-on, one-off kind of BS, we're an old enough team to not do that. Like, impose your will. I would, I would think, I would argue that this Illinois team, Isaac, 
has a little bit more talent than Rutgers, not by a lot, but by enough to win this game. And if we're talking was, Big Ten titles, you got to show better than this in the second half, even if it is just the second game. I was going to say, I feel like you're better than Rutgers still. I mean, I know Rutgers is 19, but they don't have a bunch of studs. I mean, they do have a handful of good players, but they're not Iowa. They're not, they don't have a Luka Garza. And I just feel like you're, talent, you're more talented. That's what's also so frustrating. There's no fans, and you're making all these sloppy mistakes. As if there were fans there, for yeah. Me, yeah, for me, this is why I just – we were getting hyped up so, so much by the national media and by a lot of fans. And I'm not saying that that is completely discredited now if we lose this game because it's not Rutgers is good, but maybe just not that much has changed since March. And you're just maybe a little bit, you're essentially the same team. You lost Alan Griffin, you lost Felice, you got Curbelo and you got Adam Miller and IO's a little bit better. And maybe Kofi's a little bit better, but like maybe you're just going to be what you were last year, but a little bit deeper. Yeah. I don't know. It's just, I'm just starting to doubt, and I think because I'm an Illinois fan, that's why I was so not hesitant about letting myself get so high about this team before they'd done anything. Yeah. I, I think to that I point... I do what you're saying, but oh, yeah, I mean, keep Trevor. in mind that they lost by 25 at Michigan State after losing to Missouri at this time last year, and I don't think any of us would have thought that they were going to get to where they were against Iowa at the end of the season at that point, so... I still feel like the jury's out on saying that we should discredit what they're doing. But I understand your uh, cautious pessimism back to triggered Illini fan zone. Yeah, it's when you get the expectations. And to me, a similar situation would have been Bill Self's second year where you made the Elite Eight, you lost Marcus Griffin and Surge, but you brought everybody else back. And you just figured, well, naturally, we're a year older. And even though we had a couple defections, uh, or not defections, but guys leave or graduate, you felt like, well, everyone else is naturally going to take that step and we're just going to be a Final Four team. And that was the assumption. That team won a Big Ten title. They shared it. They went to the Sweet 16. But there was still this sense at the end of it that you hadn't accomplished what you set out to do. And as Kofi misses that, um, I'm not going to call it a bunny, but a mini hook, it's an eight-point Rutgers lead, and they're on the verge of maybe running away with this damn game. So to your guys' point, here's the deal. If they go five and three, if Illinois loses this game and you ask me, what's my concern level one to 10, I'm going to put it a solid five based on the fact that while you have played a tough schedule as this is now a 10 point lead for Rutgers and it's getting out of hand, that this team has not shown the ability. You take away the Duke win. What's the most impressive showing of the year? You had the scare against Ohio. Baylor is really good, but you know what? At the end of the day, it was your own mental I'm lapses. I'm telling you, Iowa is just not right. I'm sorry, Carp. No, no. So Iowa, Iowa yeah, just loses it out of bounds. You might as well put a cork in this game. It's freaking over. I'm pissed off. I'm tired of losing these games, wanting to it's win a Big Ten title. Over. There's eight minutes left, and you were down 10. You were down 14 at this point to Missouri. Yeah, but that's, that's Missouri. This is Rutgers. And unfortunately, the way that this game is being officiated, it's hard to imagine mounting a sustained run before the officials come back in call a foul Rutgers goes the line and like Isaac was talking about inevitably they make their free throws I did not anticipate getting pissed off at this game and here we are because I think Isaac it is there are far too many things that still need to be cleaned up it's not just one thing it's just this sort of lack of cohesion that this team can grow into but as we're watching it what is it going to be late January early February and then by that point you're not 
going to be in the Big Ten race if you keep dropping these games that impact the title race. So, yes, it is overreaction Sunday for Carp, I fully admit. I guess now you kind of hope the rest of the top Big Ten teams, which I think is probably going to happen. I bet Iowa is going to lose, you know, at Michigan State, maybe at Rutgers in a random game to some middle-of-the-pack Big Ten team, um, maybe like a Purdue or something like that. So now you just got to hope that it's just competitive at the top again and everybody ends up with even five or six Big Ten losses and you save your losses for those top teams and just make sure to take care of business when you're playing a team less talented than you, which stinks because you just want to, again, it's just, maybe I just let myself get too excited thinking about last year's team. You had reason to get excited though. You had reason to get excited with the guys coming back. You did. But then like you see this game right now and it just feels like I'm watching the same exact team from last year and who just, I think got hot for seven games and I O was just on a crazy stretch last year. And again, you ended the season great, but I mean, so many people had us like final four contenders and stuff like that. And again, I'm not discrediting any of that, but like, I really just these mistakes and stuff. You just don't feel like much different than last year. Yeah. Well, and Trevor, I'm about to have you someone 10 years, my junior talk me off the ledge here. And it's not, I think to Isaac's point, like all these things are still, all these goals are still attainable. And I understand that there's going to be blips along the way, but in this big 10, and I, I hate to, borrow Seth Greenberg and what he said at halftime, but it is true that more nights than not, it is going to be a slog. And Minnesota, you had the benefit of them just missing every damn shot they took and you were able to run away with it. But as you get into these dogfights for 18 more games, unfortunately, I've seen a lack of, uh, this is very meatball-y, a lack of mental toughness by this Illinois team down the stretch against Missouri. Baylor, we can use that as sort of, you know, the outlier because of how good they are. But then this game, and, and It can be turned around, but we saw last year when they did turn it around, it was still a game too late to win the Big Ten. And I want my cake and I want to eat it too this season, given how crappy 2020 has been and how excited I was for this team. And as it is trending, this team is like a fourth place finisher because I just don't see, I don't think that they have the talent to overcome the sloppiness like maybe an Iowa would because they just shoot lights out. Three-pointer for Rutgers is up. Yeah, but no, no, I mean, they also don't play any defense, so. That is true, and we saw that against Gonzaga. Even though Gonzaga, that may have been a case just like Illinois against Baylor where, listen, that's the number one team in the country, and Iowa still put up, I think, 88 yesterday. Crabello with a floater is wide. <laughs> God, that was not even close, and now he's fallen over himself and called for a foul because he almost trips the Rutgers guy. So Rutgers will go the line to shoot two. I'm not having fun watching this. So what are you guys going to do the rest of the day? I have to clean because we got, uh, now I'm not going to say this and someone's going to go, uh-oh, we got family coming for Christmas. But there's only a few and they're getting tested. There you go. So calm down. Hey, that's fine. But I got to gotta clean and get our extra bedroom ready and all that fun stuff. Isaac, I assume you'll watch football. You're a football guy. Oh, yeah. That's why t- today is so weird. I'm, I'm not exactly sure why they put this game at noon anyway to compete with NFL football, but um, I will most likely just go sit on the couch until the Browns 
Giants game gets over later tonight, and it's a pretty nice day outside. Maybe I'll take a a walk before it gets too cold. Yeah, good call. I'm going to go for a walk after this. I need to clear my head. Uh, 67-56, Rutgers. (laughs) I'm okay joking with the refs. That's cute. It just pisses me off. All right, that's made, 12-point lead. And, you know, it's kind of like last season, guys. You remember the game after... Iowa got hurt against Michigan State, and that Saturday we played at Rutgers. And actually, I think Rutgers are still leading at halftime, but Illinois showed up for 30 minutes, and then it just tailed off very fast. Trent over to Io. Io trying to drive here, finds Kofi. Kofi with a nice layup, so it's a 10-point game, 6.30 to go. But do you guys recall that Rutgers game last year? Yeah, Io didn't play. Georgie played. Well, surprisingly, because that was his first good game in a while, and he yeah. hung around. And then I think what they went up 10 or 12 with a few minutes left, but it was pretty competitive the whole time. 68 58 Rutgers with the baseline take here, a missed dunk. They've had about three or four of those today. Io bringing it back up the court. He is looking for Trent for a three. The three is up. It is good, and that's huge. And we almost got a foul on Georgie, but I'm okay. He probably flopped again. Seven point lead with six to go. I, I feel. Shades of Missouri all over again, Trevor, which, yes, I would prefer them to come back, but I don't need another fake rally. Like, I'd prefer to just go about my day. There's an easy... No, my God, missed two there on an alley-oop. Okay, he's there to clean it up. What the hell was that? 70 to 61. Did we lose Trevor? Nope, I'm here. Okay. We're just not boxing out. This is what Brad was talking about in the Mizzou game. Just sitting there and watching. And that's a missed shot. Kofi. And now we got an and one situation with Ios tipping it back in. Io, there you go. Seven point lead, Rutgers, 523 to go. Ugh. Okay, is this going to be a Mizzou where you come all the way back and then do something dumb at the end? Yeah. I, I, I hope to sound like an idiot. I hope that people are listening to this podcast like, wow, Carp really went off the deep end. For no reason at all, but, you know. Okay, seven-point lead. Iowa with the free throw. It is up. It is good. He makes that one, so it's a six-point lead. Two-possession game. 5.23 to go. Five fouls on Rutgers. 17 on Illinois. I actually don't know what the count is, but it has been double bonus for Rutgers for a bit. And the Bears are winning to make things worse. Of course they are. Okay, here we go. 5.15 to go. Rutgers with the ball up top. 20 on the shot clock doing some perimeter, just kind of passing around here. Mulcahy with the pick. And a long three for Rutgers is up. It is good. Oh, okay. Maybe it won't be the Missouri thing. I think Rutgers is probably a little better than them. Of note, it looks like uh, we've switched to a 3-2 zone the last five or six possessions on defense. Whatever. Whatever. Here's Io. He finds Trent. Wants to take the three. Doesn't have much daylight there. Georgie. Back to Io, top of the key, trying to take it to the rim. Mid-range jumper's up and good. Seven-point lead for Rutgers with 4.40 to go. You know, I did get called. There was a review that Jeremy had for his podcast and said that uh, Warner and his legion of trolls, and that Warner is negative, but not as negative as Carp. And I, Now, I, I get why people get that sense with me, but I'm surprised that anyone takes J- Jeremy for negativity. I've never really gotten that. My favorite thing I, about that review was that it was two stars so it wasn't like <laughs> it wasn't awful. awful it was just not not good enough an easy take for Rutgers 75 I immediately points. saw that 
I immediately <laughs> saw that and just that's the opposite of what Jeremy is. I feel like Jeremy's the like he's never a sucker of the moment and he always looks at things more of what they are and not, oh my gosh, the world's ending. Well, we have a under four timeout here. Rutgers with a nine point lead. And as we do this, I have to do this exercise to try to feel good about what's coming up. And I will say that the the schedule coming up does get easier than Rutgers, big time. And if you can win Wednesday, you're still in very good shape. I think, Trevor, what I wanted to avoid was going into that Penn State game feeling must win, you know? But maybe, actually, Trevor, it it will play into this team's hands because they have responded well after losses all year. So I guess sure. if, if you have a well-timed loss, maybe this is it before a very winnable stretch coming up. Yep, and, and it is a winnable stretch. I think, in, in a way, I almost want to zig where everyone else is zagging on this Big Ten. Please where do. <laughs> I'm not saying the Big Ten isn't good, but it's one of those things where like, you look at Indiana and you go, well, that's a tough game. Then you look at Purdue and you go, well, that's a tough game. Then you look at Michigan and you go, well, that's a tough game. And it's like, yeah, but at the same time, all three of those teams are probably bubble teams at best. So yeah. it's like, I don't know how to describe it. It's like there's 10 of the 14 Big Ten teams are within 5th and 40th on Ken Palm, but also like 8 of those 10 are within 30 and 40th, which are teams you should beat. So I'm not saying the Big Ten isn't tough. It is, and it's going to be a fight night in and night out, but I still feel like the Indianas, Purdue's, Michigan's, Minnesota's of the world, you should be winning that coin flip like, seven or eight out of ten times here here is my (laughs) okay this is going to be a little bit bold but i will say this i will buy this team as a big 10 title contender if they do the following win at penn state home against indiana home against purdue at northwestern maryland at home at nebraska ohio state at home penn state at home i'm not i'm not exaggerating here i buy this team as a big 10 title contender if they win out through January 20th. <laughs> and, and I know that sounds kind of ridiculous, but that that stretch really is a huge benefit to this team. I, I can't, I could look up Iowa and the other teams and see, you know, what their early stretch looks like. But as you're still figuring things out, if the best case scenario to me, Trevor, is that you have this stretch where you rattle off a bunch of wins as you figure things out. And we look back on this Rutgers game and kind of pair that with the Missouri game is, man, that team, they, they still lack cohesion. They didn't have the mental toughness part, part of it completely down yet. This team can win one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight in a row after this. And if they don't, I'm not buying them as Big Ten title contenders. So yeah, Illinois, go, win the next eight after this. I buy you as a Big Ten title contender. Otherwise, I think Isaac, uh, to your point, is just going to be kind of a, they'll be fine. They'll be good. I. And I, I like that we get, you know, an easier start to the schedule besides this Rutgers game. But then again, like, Carp, if you win most of those games or only lose one, how you I feel like you still don't really know how good you are because you didn't go, like, to Breslin or you didn't go to Iowa City. So I feel like it might be a while even before we legitimately know what this Illinois team is capable of on the road against good teams. Oh, it wasn't even bonus yet for Illinois, which actually isn't a terrible thing because Kofi's not a great free throw shooter. So Illinois gets it out from underneath. Next foul on Rutgers will put Illinois in the bonus. We got 355 to go. Iowa with the ball trying to get into the lane if he can, but we have DeMonte now at the perimeter. Back up to Iowa with 10 on the shot clock, 345 for the game. 
trying to get a take here. Great defense. Georgie's going to have to take a three. No, finds Kofi. Kofi with a, cannot get it, but he gets fouled. Shooting foul. So two shots coming up for Kofi. It's placing a lot of uh, fan pressure on yourself, Carp, to say that 7-1 and one is going to be a disappointment <laughs> yeah. for you in the next eight But games. think about it. Think about it. They should be favored in every game. All I don't of those. Know about Ohio State. At home? Yeah, other than that. If it, I, I, if it were at home, okay. If it were at Ohio State, I agree. I would not expect to win that game. The EJ Liddell factor is going to be interesting too with that unspecified illness. Even though they did beat I don't know how good UCLA is, but they beat them, what was this? Just yesterday? Yeah. They beat them at uh-huh. home, it looks like. Kofi makes the first free throw to make it an eight point game. But I, I really do mean that. If they do and, and I think what I'm kind of doing there, Trevor, you talk about fan pressure. I am going to Enter this long stretch under these, like it's an eight game show me stretch, which is a little bit more than like, okay, let's take a four game stretch. Let's take a weekend or whatever. No, eight game stretch. Show me if you go eight and oh, yes, I buy you as a big 10 title contender. I know it sounds ludicrous, but I think if you are going to win the big 10 this year, you got to make hay with all those winnable games early. That's fair. That's fair. I just, if they go seven and one with a close loss, I, I still think you yeah, could no, argue they showed you. You're right. I think it depends on, I mean, because the thing is, the, the Rutgers loss is one thing, is, and I am presuming they will lose. They're down 10, 3 10 to go. The Rutgers loss is one thing, but it's the manner in which it all unfolded and got away sure. from you. You know, and, and technical foul, sure. I understand that they had a six point possession, but we didn't punch back. And that concerns me. Three for right. DeMonte yeah, I mean, is good, this though. Has been of <laughs> And a quick timeout. This has been a really bad half. And I, of course, understand your frustration. I just, I can't sit here and say this team is now not going to be good in late February as we sit here in oh, mid-December. Sure. <laughs> For sure, you know. Yeah, I, no, I, I think they are. I think they are, but I still want that banner. You know what I mean? So it's like, I don't... It, and, I get it. And, and to Isaac's point, the idea that... You know, it, let's say we just did a straight repeat of last year. The reason I think Isaac last year was so much fun was it would have been the return of the tournament. Yeah, yeah. It would have been uh, the return of the tournament, and it kind of came out of nowhere with how that season started. But now that you got those expectations, Isaac, it we're, we're feeling it's an advantageous position to be in, but it still kind of stings when it's like, oh, man, but maybe they aren't the best Illinois team uh, or maybe they aren't going to achieve the lofty 83-84 or 89 team or 05, and instead they're just going to be pretty good, you know? And it's like, oh, I want more than pretty good. I want great, you know? Yeah. And I said this right before the season on the radio, like, I love this team and the talent and how much media it's getting, but the more hype you get and the more people are talking about you, you haven't done anything yet. So you're just setting such high expectations that you can only set yourself up for disappointment. So I don't know if I just let myself get convinced and maybe that's my fault that this team was a lot better than they were, but it just feels worse. Yeah. Like you said, when you just have such high expectations, Oh, as Io makes the three. Okay. Can I tell you why that pisses me off? Double is that Mulcahy flops. He gets called for the foul. If he would have just stayed on his damn feet, we would have made a three, but of course they call the foul. Now they call the foul now. So we go the line for one and one instead of making a three to make it a two-possession game. Yes. Thanks, Mulcahy. Thanks for being Johnny on the spot. And ugh, it's just, it's infuriating. I don't know if you guys have seen me this ticked off about a game. Was there a time last year like that? I'm, I'm surprised at myself. Well, I mean, you, we, had to, we had to pause the Iowa game podcast <laughs> yeah, last right. year. To... <laughs> yeah. And that, that was... was frustrating. Actually, 
that game is very similar to this one. It, it feels like because I think Illinois was got out to a hot start in that game, and then the second half, Iowa just took over. Mulcahy has wasted eight minutes of my life with these official reviews because he can't stay on his damn feet. What do they call him now? I, I don't know. Of course, he's flaming like a moron. I ha- like I hate stopping? this. Flopping isn't my favorite part of basketball, but if a player legitimately gets fouled and they put a little acting on it, but it's a, a legit foul, then okay. But if you're going to flop like a little baby because you're not talented enough to actually draw a charge or actually be in the right position, then just get off the court. You know, I shouldn't and do... Just, yeah, you're right. I shouldn't do this as student-athletes because I am 14 years older than Mulcahy probably, but like, yes, I am calling a 20-year-old a flailing moron. That's what he is. He's just a flailing doofus. <laughs> And he's not I particularly do not have the vitriol that you guys have. I don't know why. I, I, I can't I just can't stand it. It's just the archetype I've talked about many times before in the show. And he just fulfills every little part of that role perfectly. And of course, you hey. know, if he's on your team, you love him. But I'm like, no, if he was on my team, I wouldn't like him. I would be annoyed by him. I think I've had I've had that little realization a little bit now that I've graduated and things like Io is like my favorite Illini player ever, probably. And I love this team. It's just crazy that I'm low-key obsessed and some of my happiness has relied on the performance of 18 to 22 year olds. Yeah, that's sports though. And and, and it does get better along three for uh, Rutgers. Oh my jeez. Wow. Maybe it's just because I've experienced so much pain already and I don't say that ironically but like I'm yeah. just more conditioned to be like well, I'm with my Sunday. But that that's how I feel. I just, I don't know. Kofi, nice little <laughs> shot there. Eight point lead but ugh, Rutgers is making At a least big shot. two the Kofi big game. Oh my gosh! At this point, just get a T. Yeah, you know, just do it. <laughs> the, at least the big Kofi game was definitely not a fluke. He's looked a lot smoother the past couple games. That is true. Past. That's a good point. Ron Harper Jr. Like those, good. I could not see him doing that little drop stuff off the glass. Like even a, a month ago, or the first few games of the season, he just was not that smooth. You're not going to play Rutgers again this season. And oh, Jacob Grandison is giving you nothing, so you might as well bring him in and just just have him sucker punch Mulcahy and then get him out of the game. I mean, what do you have to lose? Man? Nothing, man. We we did say, as I mentioned in the text, and Grandison's doing some good standing out there, good standing and running. He's just kind of what, Carp, filling his, space. His well. standing in the first half is the best standing I've ever seen a person stand. Yeah, he's got a lot of poise and composure in the way he stands and runs. I'm I'm impressed with it. Just the way he carries himself when he stands is just it's admirable, frankly. It's too bad that Hutcherson isn't on this team. We don't know how good he would have been, but that was the guy getting the pub, right? He was the one in the offseason that people were saying, well, you know, there's they were comparing him to some other great transfer. And I was like, all right, let's slow our roll and not it do the Alex Duncan, Legion thing. That's Duncan Robinson. That's it. Yeah. But you could use a shooter. It. You could use a shooter because we're finding out Adam Miller again, non factor. And it was I do want to scary point out about real, Go ahead. Yeah. Well, I just I, I I wanted to talk about this last time and I forgot. It is, and it, it, I guess it's sort of negligible because you've had enough other additions to this team that you don't really feel it. But I do feel like it is a bit of a hampering that, um, from Tevian and Allen, which then turned into Hutchison and Grandison, that that those two scholarships have basically been empty for you for like four years now. Yeah. Now, obviously, Allen wasn't empty because he played great last year, but you know, essentially, you wasted those two on them who both transferred. Then you immediately replaced those two with one guy who's hurt and one guy who doesn't do anything now. 
So you're going on three years of, of two rotation spots that have basically given you nothing. Yeah, what it is, is the wing position is to Underwood is another three for DeMonte. Six-point game with 130 to go. The wing position to Underwood is what the point guard position was to Gross. And fortunately, you kind of can get away with it, but Rutgers' whole thing and why this game kind of got away from you is the fact that they got a bunch of six, seven dudes that can run the court and shoot. And we're, right. we're small, speedy, you know, but... You know, if we and you don't necessarily feel like that's a problem when you see Curbelo and you see Trent, you see Io, but then it's just thinking about those six, seven lanky guys that you're missing for a variety of different reasons. I think it does hurt you, even if people aren't talking about it enough. Grandison's going to launch a three. Oh, I, no, he's not. Okay, so we're going over to Trent for a three. The three is up. It is no good. We needed that. A putback from Io is good. So it's a four point game with 50 seconds to go and a quick timeout from Illinois. So not Why over. Does he have to do this to us. Ultimately, this is going to be another one of those losses where, and I understand the frustration behind it, right? Where you go, well, I mean, you lost to a darn good team by three on the road, and it's like, yeah, but that mm-hmm. really wasn't the bulk of the game, right? So I understand the frustration. The frustration that. for me is just why you couldn't consistently play so well. I mean, what the hell happened when we were up ten for like multiple minutes in the first half, and then you come out in the second half and look like a terrible team, and that's what. That's that's that was a huge problem in the gross era and stuff too, which I know this team is light and day different, but you would have good starts and things, and it's like you realize that oh, like we're Illinois, and then you started like choking around again, and I just don't understand how you could go so cold all of a sudden and start turning the ball over. And Rutgers has made some more shots as half too, but it uh, just starting out so well is just. And then blowing it away is just so frustrating to me. I think Miller yeah. giving you nothing has been a real problem. Yeah. To do. Zero points. Crabello quiet Cribello in the second half. It? Yeah, very yeah. quiet in the second half. And that's going to happen to freshmen. But you started to rely on Crabello. Sorry. Like you started to rely on Crabello for a few games to be, you know, one of your top scoring options. Wait, did Crabello Luckily, foul out? I got five fouls on him on my score or on my sports app. He fouled out? He got he got three bogus ones pretty quick. Oh yeah, I think he did. Good lord. Ugh. What a stupid and game. Now DeMonte has fouled out. Because he got a technical. <laughs> Guys, okay, so that took a few seconds there to foul. So 43, Mulcahy, of course, will go to the line. That Why did they make DeMonte foul Mulcahy? That's not, that's not fair to DeMonte. I'm going to go ahead and skip ahead to the real time just because we all know what's happening. Yeah, that's anyways. fair. That's fair. I, I'm going to uh, check my sports app. Mulcahy uh, made his first. Of course he did. Well, Every Rutgers player that shoots free throws, I know they're like 50%. They like don't seem confident that it's going in. Look at this turd. He's he's perfect from the line, and he's one for four from the field. He's got seven boards. He's just Mr. Mr. Johnny on the spot, like I mentioned he before. He's not good. He keeps his hands off, too. Like, just shoot the free throw. God. <laughs> he is such um, a I, doofus. I really despise <laughs> this guy. I, ugh. I, will, I will say that I also feel like this is a situation where you miss Andres Feliz a lot. Yeah, oh, totally. Because in this exact situation, in this exact game last year, I think Rutgers went on a run, and then Felice went on like a 7-0 run by himself to put you back ahead. And it's not like you don't have the dogs to replace him and do that between Io and Trent and those guys, but it does feel like almost better than anybody else. He was just so good at saying, 
give me the damn ball. I'm scoring and I'm stopping this run. Yep. Yeah, that was the the toughness that he brought, which I, I hate using buzzwords like that, but it's true with him. Nice take from Trent. You got to get some pressure on the ball here in the inbound. So Rutgers with the ball. This is almost a turnover, but no, no, they get they get it. So who's this going to be going the line here for them? Baker. Baker. Essentially what's happening here is you're gambling that Rutgers' 58% free throw shooting is going to come into play at some point as you trade baskets and hopefully get them to miss. The thing is, they're not missing. <laughs> nope. They made the first one. I'm checking my app here, too. So, of course, he makes the first one. Let's look at Rutgers here. 25 for Ron Harper. And a, kind of like a quiet 25, because I've been so laser-focused on Mulcahy, which is my Wait. own problem. Um, Carp, sorry <laughs> to interrupt you. No, I you're fine. I saw this at the bottom. Jack Cohn just entered the transfer portal. <laughs> you want to take, take a flyer on Jack Cohn? Nay, I would. I don't know. I'm okay. No, thanks. Yeah. Load up the quarterback room. I mean, it'd be good on an established team, but I, I just don't think next year's team is... You, you got to have some guy that just kind of run around and flail, and that, that was a... I don't know what Adam Miller's doing there. Should we even talk I about the football game? Dream. 87. So, yeah, this is getting out of hand. Rutgers will close it with free throws. So, I think the, uh, the, the, the fast break defense was a problem, too, as well, as I kind of diagnosed this, because, I mean... 88 points is what you end up giving up to Rutgers here. I mean, that's... That's a problem. That's not great for a game that people were saying was going to be like a, a slugfest in the 50s. You can't give up 90. Well, guys, as we start signing off here, like I said, if they win the next eight, I'm on board again. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> but I do think... I quit. I quit this podcast. <laughs> I hate the fact that Wednesday looks to be another gotta must you know must win. In 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 and in I essence, like it is either. You don't like the matchup? No, Penn State's got six positionless six seven guys between Brockington, Dread, uh, Jamari Wheeler, and I'm forgetting the fourth guy. Um, so you're going to basically need four Demontes on defense. So we'll see. Yeah, I think what. What I'm looking for is just another bounce-back game. I want to get into the pattern where we don't need to consistently have bounce-back games, and that's where the 8 nothing run I'm talking about, that's where that comes into play. But yeah, I think if you beat Penn State, I am confident that, okay, you can weather the storm early. you got a favorable schedule to do so. But until then, Isaac, I'm, I'm with you and my concern level because not all these, th- these things get cleaned up overnight. The question is, is the schedule favorable enough where you can clean them up in time for that stretch in late January, early February? I see Pickle. Pickle? Pickle is coaching up Mulcahy, which is good. That's a good thing to see. Pickle? 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 Pickle. Why was I saying Steve it incorrectly? <laughs> He's a good coach. I did not mean to do that. I, for some reason... Drew a blank on how to pronounce it. Okay, five-point well, we game. We could, uh, that'd be a great podcast title, though. Something about a pickle, but name it Pickle. Uh, let's see. Pikele. Caught in a Pickle? Yeah. yeah. Is that is that the name of today's podcast? Caught in a Pickle? I like it. Okay. I was going to do something if we won, like the Rack and Tours, or the Rack, but that's kind of stupid. Uh, I don't know. But it doesn't matter because you aren't going to win, and you're going to lose to Rutgers at Rutgers again. I know they're good. I'm just a little concerned about how good this Illinois team is at the moment, though, to Trevor's point, they can get to where we want them to be. And then I think we're I think ultimately we're on the same page. I'm just feeling the emotions a little bit more today than I anticipated. And that's that's understandable. I'm not trying to invalidate your no, I know that. Yeah. anger with a really bad second half. I'm just trying to counteract it a bit with the fact that I 
So Baylor hasn't lost, right? No. So the teams you've lost to are going to be a combined like 18 and 0. Yeah, that's true. That is true. And, you know, this is not going to hurt you on Selection Sunday or any of that. So it really just comes down to stacking the wins. And then I don't want this to be a situation, though, where you get into late January and you are losing to Michigan State and you're losing to Iowa. And then pretty soon you're losing those, you know, marquee wins that would put you more on like the three line. I think as Lon well, and I have. Fair. Yeah, yeah. I think as Lon and I have so often talked, though. I said, man, back in the day when we used to take the four or five seed for granted, right now this is about a five seed in the tournament. That's what they are. And I, I want them to aspire for more because I think that they're capable of doing so. But there are worse situations than if they finish third in the Big Ten and they get a five seed and whatever. There are worse. But All right, so it's hey, a little, – Oh, Isaac, go ahead. I was just going to say a little update. Uh, Rutgers has shot 20 more free throws than you, and they're shooting 69% instead nice. of 57%. So, no, to uh, be fair, you played the foul game for the last like three minutes. So that's, that's true, too. But yeah, well, boys, let's let's close this thing out. Oh, oh. Hmm. Jacob Grandison for three at the buzzer. Hey, hey, didn't quite cover, it was a one and a half point spread, but. Looks like what? That's a 91 to 88 win for Rutgers. Is that what you got, Trevor? Yep. All right. Well, guys, uh, we're going to close things out here. Thanks to DP Doe online at dpdoe.com and Fourth and Kirby online at fourthandkirby.com and State Farm agent Brian Hansen online, online at brianismyguy.com. It's been a busy week. We'll be back Wednesday. Now, Trevor, it's an early game, so you're taking Wednesday off, correct? Yeah, I'll have family here by then. Cool. Probably going to have to be at work as well, so I'm unfortunately passing on that one. Well, we will have another game, I think, on the 26th. I don't know if we got – I think it's a 3 o'clock tip-off on the 26th against Indiana. I'll double-check that real quick. But we'll be back on Wednesday with Trevor – or, sorry, with Isaac. And uh, Andrew will hop on for a little bit of that as well. And then for Illinois, after this game, you got at Penn State Wednesday and Indiana Saturday at home. Win both of those, and then I think you can get a nice little groove going with this Big Ten schedule. But for today, disappointing opportunity squandered against a pretty good Rutgers team. So we'll see where this team goes. But uh, Isaac, Trevor, thanks for joining us today, guys, and have a good rest of your Sunday. Wait, you guys don't want to continue this into the next hour of the fourth quarter of the Bears game? No. <laughs> I'm not going to watch a look of it. They infuriate me now that they're playing well. It's, it's Do the just... Bears make the playoffs? No. <sighs> no, because I think Arizona would kind of have to fall on their face, and I don't think they will. Yeah. So too little, too late. Bears thing to do. Oh no! That like Trevor said in the text about the most Bears thing to do, and they will do this. They'll finish eight and eight, get a crap draft pick, and they'll bring everybody back and run it again. And that is hell. I I purgatory. Uh, yep, pretty much. All right, guys, have a good rest of your Sunday. Get out there, enjoy that beautiful sunshine. I think I need to do the same. See ya. Adios. See guys. ya. All right, that's Isaac and Trevor here on the 200 level. It's been a busy week. I need to take a break from sports. In the meantime, stay safe, stay healthy, and we will see you Wednesday night. we got a post-game pod. Don't know if we'll do one for the Brett Bielema press conference, Zoom conference, whatever, because you know how those go. I mean, he'll talk and say some things that make us go, yeah, all right, I like this coach. But I don't know if there's much in the way of substance. So if you want to listen to yesterday's podcast, this is Saturday right after the news came out about Bielema. You get my thoughts on that. It's called Daydream Bielema. Bielema, I know, but that sounds more like Daydream Believer. And that'll be, I think, timely at least for the next few days. In the meantime, though, stay safe, stay healthy. I'm going to go cool off, and uh, I will see you guys on Wednesday. Appreciate your support, and uh, hopefully we can get Penn State as we head into Christmas. It is the 200 level.